right, my name is Ed Hires, and I am a pastor here at Shiloh. And how many, how many of you have heard that iconic song? Raise your hand. Wow, that was the same as first service. A lot of people know this song. I like that. So here's the question. If you were in first service, no fair. You can't say anything here. Who sang that song? Nobody got it in the first service either. What was that? No. The Shirelles. The Shirelles. Okay, so 1961 was the year prior to Motown, by the way, uh, for those of you that followed that at all. And um, what was really unique about this, they were discovered at a 1957 high school talent show. They ended up with seven top 20 songs including such things as Will You Love Me Tomorrow? How many people ever heard that song? Yeah, okay, good. And bet most of you heard this one. This is dedicated to the one I love. Yes, come on. We all love that song. All right, but what were they known specifically for if you follow this genre of music back in the day? They were the first recording girl group that we saw. They led the way. Martha and the Vandellas, the Ronettes, many more, but they were the forerunner of the number one girl group in history. And they were the Supremes. There you go. All right. And you know, little known fact, Dionne Warwick sang with them for a period of time. Yes. You know, I hear some people say, I don't learn anything at church. Come on. Come on. You never know when you're going to need that. I'm telling you. You know, trivia, something else. Well, maybe you've guessed my title for today. Mama said there'd be days like this. All right. So here's the deal. In the 70s is when I got saved. 75, a lot of you weren't born. Okay. In the 70s, I got saved. And right in the middle of that, uh, that decade, it was a time known as the faith movement. All across the country and actually across the world, God was moving in this whole issue of helping believers build their faith. So some of the scriptures that, that we stood on, that I stood on during that time, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isaiah 54.17, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Romans 8.28, all things work together for good to them who love God and are the called according to his purposes. James 4.7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. 3 John 2, beloved, I wish above all things that I would prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Mark 11, Mark 11, 23, for verily I say unto you that whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And of course, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. So before we begin the heart of my message, I want to make it clear. I believe these scriptures. I stand on these scriptures all the time. I just don't stand on them alone. You see, ultimately, in that time when I was growing up in the Lord in the 70s and the 80s, a lot of Christians fell away from their faith because some of the things they had been taught to believe didn't come true. 
They were taught if you believe and you confess a promise in the word of God, you will get it. And, and while there's a truth to that, a lot of people didn't get what they thought they were going to get, and they didn't get it in the timing they felt they were going to get it. And as a result of that, they doubted their faith. Some of them were shipwrecked. Why? Well, here's my, just my opinion on this. I believe they made the gospel all about them. That was the whole thing. We claim, claim promises for us. That's what we were looking for most of the time. And also, we looked at God as, as someone who can be controlled in some ways by claiming his promises and just believing that those are ones he has to come true on. And, and the problem is that that's a true statement. God will honor his word, but the problem is he honors his whole word. Not a particular verse here or a particular verse there. So today we're going to look at God's word and see what it says about our lives here on planet Earth. And in the words of the great Shirelles, this is dedicated to the ones I love. Okay. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, often quoted scripture. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So I want to take that scripture and I want to just do one thing. I want to emphasize two words in the scripture. Okay? And it's the first two. All scripture. Okay? It is important as you as I and I walk with the Lord that we do our best to understand what the word of God says on a number of different subjects. You know, Jesus said you do err not knowing the scriptures. It's important because even in Jesus' day, people claimed certain things and didn't balance the word of God with other scripture. So with that in mind, we're going to build some, we're going to build a case here to a balance. We're not going to go to the other side extremely, but we're not also going to stay on the side that says life is just out there for the taking. Christians should just trust God and be free of the issues of this world. Not true. 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Put on, Ephesians 6.11, the whole armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. And don't ever misunderstand this. He has strategies, and he has strategies specifically for you in your life. John 16, 33, Jesus speaking, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So I have told you all this. What was all this? Well, if you go back in the previous scriptures, he told them that life ahead was going to be without him physically and that they were going to face some really, really tough scenarios. You see, holiness does not equal earthly peace and contentment. It doesn't equal freedom always in this world or the ability to live your life without trials and tribulations, some of them quite serious. And as I will always tell my children, when they would say to me, that's not fair, what would I say to them? Life's not fair. 
All right, it took them a little bit of time to figure that out, but they found out that was true. You see, what does holiness mean, though? It doesn't mean those things, but it means that you and I have to fight the good fight of faith. And it's really a fight. How many here have ever been in a fist fight? I mean, a real one, where you, okay, yeah, come on, raise your hand. How many, all right, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. All right. (laughs) All right, so several of you. All right, so I've been in several fist fights. Okay, so I will tell you this. Fist fights are never fun, all right? You, unless you're fighting some super, I can't, I don't know what words you can use sometimes, but someone who's not very together or with it or strong, you know, you're always going to get hurt if you're fighting someone of any kind of size or scope. You, don't, you know, even if you win, you, you come out with bruises. I mean, fighting is tough. I, you know, I've mentioned this before. I'll give you a little more detail. I mean, one of my fights was with someone who, who um, we both called each other out. I was first day of school, new high school, first day. Um, something went on between us. He decided to call me out afterwards. He happened to be the captain of the boxing team. I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> If you ever know you have a fight in high school, what happens? All kinds of kids, they hear about it. Goes through school. Oh, yeah, a new kid's going to fight George. And, uh, and so, at, so the kids are ringed around us, and we're going to fight. And he's little. I figure this will take 10 minutes. Okay. Oh. So around there, I have my people. No, no. I have a person supporting me. I'm brand new. The kid next to me, when he told me he was the captain, he felt bad. He came out, and he's cheering me on. The whole rest of the crowd is laughing. Because every time I try to do something, he hits me. I mean, the guy was lightning fast. He was just, it was funny. He became a really good friend of mine after he beat the daylights out of me. All right. So fights are tough, okay? So we know that, right? And most Christians will say, I know I'm in a battle. I know, you know, I have to fight the good fight of faith. Okay, so then why, when we get into a really difficult trial, do we wonder where God is? You know, where's God? We wonder why we're going through it. What's, what's up? And many of us find ourselves asking, this is the way I ask, hey, God, what's the deal? What's the deal? And you know what I think he'd say? Here's what I think he would say. He'd say, here's the deal, Ed. My son came to earth as a human being. They beat him almost to death. They crucified him. He rose from the dead so that you could spend eternity with us in heaven. That's the deal. Okay? That's what I think God would say to me. You see, if we read the Bible, the whole Bible, not just scriptures we like, it tells you over and over again, tough times come on this earth. They don't come all the time. Oh, my goodness. We have great times of blessing And walking with him. I will tell you, you can live in some countries where you would not see anyone having good times, but they have a joy in the Lord. That's how they have good times. We're blessed, though. We have prosperity in this country. But you see, the Bible also tells us, why do you and I have troubles? John 10.10 tells us it's so clear. It says, the enemy cometh not, but to steal and to kill and destroy. Listen, that's the only reason he comes. He only comes into your life and my life to kill and steal and destroy. It doesn't say that he comes to discourage you, to tick you off, to bother you a bit. It doesn't say that. It says he comes to kill and steal and destroy. They're pretty significant sayings. 
See, there's an old saying you may or may not have heard. Never bring a knife to a gunfight. Okay? Old saying. That means if you don't know the severity of what you're going into, you're probably going to come unprepared, and that's not going to be good for you. See, I believe many times we underestimate the serious of the enemy and his designs on us because he can be the kind of enemy that'll take his time. He'll build one little brick at a time. See, one of Satan's oldest tricks in the book is to get you to believe that someone else is the enemy, that a situation is the enemy. See, I'm, I'm telling you, I counsel reasonably a lot, um, and especially over the years, and, and that's the hardest thing to get across to people. Your enemy is not your spouse. (laughs) Your enemy is not your family. It's not your sickness. It's not your finances. Your enemy is not any of those. You have one enemy. There are no more than one enemy. That's the only enemy. And it's Satan. And he comes in all different forms and fashions in situations like that, in relationships, in finances, and all those things. You see, the Bible warns us over and over to put on the armor, to take up our cross, to train like a boxer, to know your true enemy, to don't, you're not supposed to count it strange when you fall in all manner of of issues. But I'll tell you this, when you put the armor on, when we do know who the enemy is, the real enemy, what happens? We deal a significant blow to the enemy and his kingdom. And we have victory in the battle it doesn't come without consequences or costs sometimes. And fortunately, while we have to, this is a little bit of a strange battle we're in, because while you and I have to fight battles, the war has been won. Jesus said, it's finished. But the deal is, while the war has been won, battles go on. So here's what I want to tell you. In a normal war, like World War II, or any war, when the one side gives up, realizes they're done, they sign what is known as an armistice. And what that does is they don't have the deal all settled out. They don't have the final agreement, who's getting what land, what are they going to do with the countries and the people and all that. But it does say, stop fighting. Well, there's no armistice in this war. Okay, we will fight right up until the day Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, comes down and puts an end to all that. Amen to that. Okay? The Word tells us that God is faithful in all situations. He will see you through whatever you go through, but it doesn't mean that He always takes it away, or He takes it away that you would like, or He takes it away in a time frame you would like, because we're still in a war. We're still in a war. You see, in heaven, heaven, we can't grasp this, but you should meditate on heaven now and then. Because here's the deal. I say that a lot, don't I? Um, In heaven, we have no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, sickness, poverty, anxiety, stress, no relatives to drive us crazy, just eternity with God and all that he has in store for you and me. Can we imagine that? No bad hair days. Come on. If you don't have hair and you want it, you'll have hair. You're going to have nothing, nothing, that opposes you. But, a saying I have, you're not in Kansas yet, Dorothy. First service, no one knew what that meant. For those of you that don't don't know, you can look it up on the internet. So, 
I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm going through a real issue and I see somebody else going through a much worse issue, it helps me put mine in perspective. You ever had that situation? You think you're doing bad and you talk to somebody and you walk away and say, wow, I'm blessed. Okay, I went to a conference once, a counseling session. Uh, well, it wasn't a counseling session. It was a thing on marriage and families. And they made us separate up and we all sat around the tables, 11 of us, and they said, tell us about your upbringing. So I was going to jump right in and say, boy, I didn't have a good upbringing at all. But they started with the person next to me and they went this way. So I was last. By the time it got to me, here's what I said. I had an awesome upbringing. I don't really have anything to share. <laughs> oh my goodness. I listened to things and said, I had great parents. I never realized it. Okay, so when I'm in trouble, one of the things you can go to in the Bible is the book of Job. Oh, I love the book of Job. I know that seems strange, but I do because it just gives me perspective on what life could really be like. Okay, Job chapter 1, verse 1. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. So, you wonder what he had. So the next couple of verses, two and three, tell you what, he's go- what he has. Okay, well, he had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels. That's a lot of camels. 500 teams of oxen, 500 female donkeys. He- donkeys, I always say that wrong. He also had many servants. He was, in fact the richest person in the entire area. One day, the members of the heavenly courts came to present themselves before the Lord. That's pretty, I don't know what that all is about, but that's cool, whatever that court was. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. I mean, this is like a, you know, a friendly gathering here going on. Satan's right there. And, and the Lord asked Satan this, where have you come from? As if he doesn't know. The Lord asked, and Satan says, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Okay, here's what Scripture, verse 8. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Now, wouldn't you love it? If God said that about you, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be awesome? But I'll tell you what isn't awesome. You would ask God, please don't tell Satan. I mean, this was not a good time for Job. All right? So what does the enemy say? Yeah, right. Give me a break, God. You give him everything. He's the richest guy around. He has great kids. He doesn't do this. You know what? You turn him over to me for a little while. And let me see how righteous this man really is. Well, Job was very righteous, very, very righteous. But here's what he was living through. The Sabians, this is what, this is what now Satan does to him. The Sabians took Job's oxen and donkeys, killing his servants who were with them. Fire from heaven burned up all of Job's sheep and his servants who were with them. The Chaldeans took his camels killing his servants, and a great wind killed all of Job's children by causing the collapse of his oldest son's house where they have been, had been eating and drinking together. Come on, that's a bad day. Wow. I mean, you know, come on. We get a piece of bad news sometimes, one piece, and we're devastated. 
Job goes through all of that. And let me show you, tell you what Job does. After all this comes in, like one right after another, Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Wow. I mean, this man is everything God said he was. Which one of us in this country, the way we live, could really take anything close to this and just praise God? Job, because of this, is one of my five heroes of the Bible. I can't wait to meet Job. You see, 2 Timothy 3.12 says this in the message, anyone who wants to live all out for Christ is in for a lot of trouble. There's no getting around it. You see, Job was sold out to God, but it cost him something. It cost him a lot. But Job knew a thing or two because he'd seen a thing or two about God, and he knew the God he served, and he knew what to remember. And here's what he remembered, I, have, I assume. He remembers that God is all-powerful, 2 Timothy 3.15, by his power, he made the earth. His wisdom gave shape to the world. He crafted the cosmos. Have you ever gone out on a dark night with not a lot of light? You can't do this if you're in a city. You know, I go out sometimes on my deck when it's really dark, when there's no moon, and I lay down or I sit down and I just stare at the sky, assuming it's a a clear night, Very, very much cool in the winter. And you look up there and how can you not just want to worship God? When you see the beauty of that, I, I almost always see a shooting star when I'm out there. It's amazing. God just blesses me. So God is all-powerful. And Jeremiah teaches that this, that this all-powerful God is on your side. Okay? Jeremiah 51.36. Um, yes. Is that, yes. It says, I'm on your side taking up your cause. So I'm all powerful and I'm taking up your cause. You see, with all I've said up to now, it's important to remember that this God you serve, this God calls you his son and his daughter. He will never leave you or forsake you. And he and you will always win in the end. He goes on to say, not is he powerful, not only is he on your side, but he says, don't lose hope. Don't ever give up. Boy, and I'll tell you, I don't know about you, but I've been weary sometimes and tempted to just give up. You know, not give up on, on the fact that I know I'm, a, I'm saved and that God is my God, but just like, wow, Lord, this is really getting heavy. But Jeremiah says, don't lose hope, Ed. Don't lose hope, whatever your name is. See, this is a great segue into a person Another person that I admire in a lot of ways for things he did, and that was Winston Churchill. So he was the prime minister back in the early 40s, and he gave an address to his alma mater, the Harrow School, the boarding school, high school. He went back and he gave an address. This is in October of 1941. The war is raging. 
And he, this is after 10 horrific months in that year, let alone they're coming off the Battle of Britain. And if you know anything about World War II, that Battle of Britain would change the course of the entire war. It was, a, it was an amazing, amazing battle. The Allied forces lost 1,500 planes. London, one-third of the entire land of, of London, the, the city, one-third was totally bombed to the ground, destroyed. It was known as the Blitz. But this man comes to this school after all of this, and here's what he says. Quote, but for everyone, surely, what we have gone through in this period, I'm addressing the school, surely from this period of 10 months, this is the lesson. Never give in, never give in, never, 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 never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. As Kipling well says, we must meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. By what seemed almost a miracle to those outside these islands, though we ourselves never doubted it, we now find ourselves in a position where I say that we can be sure that we have only to persevere, to conquer. Winston Churchill refused to give in, even though he faced a formidable enemy. At that point, the Fuhrer had decided that England would fall without any more military action because France had just fell. And he knew their their, uh, uh, war machine was decimated. By the time he finally realized they weren't going to give up, it was late in the game His leadership were divided on what to do. He tried to get the RAF, and he had no idea how determined these people were, and the the war changed. See, this is what I know from walking with the Lord for 44 years, that if I persevere in the tough times, I do come out on the other side, always, always. Some of them, I've come out with some bumps and bruises. Other ones, they were quick, because we know that the war ended at the cross. I just have to get through these battles, and I'm going home, as are you. Now, may the God of peace, 1 Thessalonians 5, may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Now, we don't have time for this message today, but, but we put ourselves too much in the driver's seat. Our faith is in Christ, And Christ said we're to be blameless, but it says he will do this for you. The enemy constantly tells you all the things you're not. you got to tell him back, "Not not my job. Christ makes me blameless. What he did. 1 Thessalonians also says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Christianity many times is counterintuitive, and the enemy knows that. See, the reason we, give, we act in joy, no matter what happens to us, in everything, is because that's the way God gets us out. The joy comes before the 
before the release from where you are. And, and it accelerates it. But it feels sometimes dumb. Because why would I in everything give thanks when, when I'm not thankful for this? What you're thankful for is that the war is won. What you're thankful for is that God is victor over whatever you're going through. You can always be thankful. 2 Timothy 4, 3 to 5 says this, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling the others good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. You can't watch the news or anything else today and not think at times, the world is crazy. People are crazy. They're coming up with ideas and thoughts and tolerations that are just like, seriously? Here are the Apostle Paul's last words, or what we understand to be his last words. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. What a great, great scripture. So he says three things in this scripture. Three things that I hope I can say Three things I hope you can say as we come to the end of our days. I hope I can say that I fought the good fight. That I can say I finished the race and that I've kept the faith. I want that to be what what I hear when I go. That's what I want you to hear. So I'm going to leave you with this scripture. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us, who loved us, and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement, eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. He gave us this. This is is what God means for you and I. You see, if you're going through a great time of blessing right now, I rejoice with you. I go through those times too. Hopefully all of you do at times. But for those of you going through a difficult time, whether great or small, I want you to continue to fight the good fight of faith. Be confident that a loving Father will always be there for you to guide you. He's faithful to be trusted. Now, I don't want anyone to misunderstand my message today, okay? This is not about be afraid of the devil. This is not about, hey, I'm just going to go through all kinds of, you know what, before I get to heaven. It's not that. Here's the message. The message is you have an enemy. The enemy is serious about trying to derail you. And he will bring things into your life. You know, I can tell you this. I have great faith that you will go through difficult times. Because if I asked everybody here to raise their hand that's going through a difficult time, there would be no one in here that wouldn't raise their hand. If I asked how many of you have gone through many difficult trials, the vast majority of you would raise your hand. So we know that. 
But I also know that all those scriptures I read you up front are true. That I can do all things. That God's plans are to prosper me. But in the process, I fight the good fight of faith. I stand convinced of God's power and his faithfulness regardless of my circumstances. And I know I have one enemy and one enemy alone. I don't have to be wondering where it's coming from. I know where it's coming from. And I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. But in any given moment, I may not feel that way. In any given moment, I may not be that way in the natural. But if you're not expecting issues in your life, and if everything that comes along is a, oh, you know, I can't believe this is happening to me. If that's what you're, you're, you're not going to fight the good fight of faith. See, if we know the battle we're in, we won't go to a gunfight with a knife. We'll come prepared with the word of God. We'll come prepared with a, with a heart of faith, with a belief in our God. And no matter what happens, like Job, we will not blame God, and we will worship him for who he is and what he is in our lives. So, you know, when a message like this goes out, it, I, just can't, I just can't say, oh, you know, have a good Sunday, go Pats, and we're done. Okay? It's not right. See, God gave me this message. It came very quickly for a purpose. And somebody here or somebody's here, you need this message to have that hope again, to build that hope, to not feel like a victim, but to know that you are, in fact, a son and daughter of the king. And God will see you through this. He'll strengthen you. And out of it will come a blessing. I don't know what it's going to be. It may be not for you. It may be for someone else. But if you're here today and if you would be honest with me and say, hey, Ed, I'm going through something right now. Well, see, here's what I want you to know. God gave me this message. He also tells me to pray for you. There's somebody here, there's some bodies here that this prayer will make a difference for you. So if that's you today, raise your hand. I want the privilege of praying for you and watching God move. Would you raise your hand if you're going through something today? Come on, it should be all over here. All right, yes, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up, please. Okay, now, with, keep your hands up. With those of you that don't have your hands up, thank Jesus, all right? Can you go find one of these people, keep your hands up, and lay hands on them? Laying on of hands is a biblical principle. Keep your hands up. Uh, that allows an anointing to be given and, and many times comes with a deliverance. So keep your hands up. If you, have, if you have your hands up, I want somebody around them. Come on, everybody look. Get up. Find somebody with their hands. I see people with their hands. Nobody's moving. We got two back here. Come on. If you have faith to pray, let's go. Come on. I have one hand back here. Oh, my goodness. Come on, guys. All right. All right. Everybody, does everybody have their hand up? Have some, you can put your hands down now. As long as you, okay, you'll pray with her. All right. So, Father, Lord, the power of your word is great. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Father, these have come today, and, Lord, they've raised their hands and said, look, I'm in a battle that's not to be, that's not, a, you know, super exceptional. We know we're in battles. But, Lord, they've said, I am in a battle, and I want to believe. I want to walk. I want to fight the good fight of faith. But, Lord, you know sometimes we just need you to intervene. I pray for these today. I don't believe it was an accident that this message came, and I don't think it was an accident they raised their hands. So, Father God, you said, if two of you agree on earth, as touching anything they will ask, it will be done for us by our Father who is in heaven. So, Father, there's many around this congregation right now. Even if they're not up laying hands, they're agreeing right now for your move. Lord, I am expecting things 
to move, expecting things to change. Maybe not immediately, Lord, but I know some will be immediately, some will be miraculous, some will be more time. But Lord, if give everyone that raised their hands an assurance that you will supply all their needs through your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. During the trial, Lord, you will strengthen them. You will give them peace in you. And Lord, I speak to these issues that your will would be done and your victory would be won. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you would like prayer for any reason, if you want more prayer than you just had or you have something else going on, we'd love to pray for you. In the meantime, we hope you have a great, great Sunday. We love you. God bless.